Well, good morning, Graceville Church and friends and neighbors. Thanks so much for coming out. Happy Easter. It's good to see all of you. My name is Alan. I'm one of the uh, pastors at Grace Hill Church. And so if I have not met you or if you've never visited our church before, I'd just love to be able to meet you afterwards as we're enjoying some time on the Herndon Town Green. Uh, we're so thankful to be here. We're thankful to the town of Herndon that lets us use this on Easter. It's our third time doing it, and uh, we've got great weather, and so just grateful to do that. And I say this every year, if your kids are running around, let them. It's okay. Let them make noise. We're just going to have some fun here uh, this morning together. Don't be stressed out about it. Um, my kids will be out there with them, all right? So, but what I wanted to do this morning, just for a few moments, is I did want us to think a bit about why we're all gathered here this morning. And I did want to just say this to you. You guys are so far from me, by the way. Like, you're just all tucked back. All right. I did want to say this, though, this morning, that my hope for you, hope for all of us, is that you would actually receive something substantive this morning. That this wouldn't be just an annual ceremony. That this wouldn't just be some religious tradition that we keep on an annual basis, but that as we open the Bible for just a few moments, as we think about why it matters that Jesus rose from the dead, that the Lord would do something specific in each of you, because you're a real person, and you have real issues going on in your real life, and we believe Jesus is actually God, and he actually did, uh, he actually did come from the dead, and that matters in your life. And so my hope for you is that you would actually receive something substantive from Jesus this morning. And I think oftentimes we can think to ourselves, you know, I don't know if Jesus is really paying attention to me. My small life, my little life, there's so many big things going on in the world. Why would Jesus Pay attention to me. Why would what's going on in my life be a priority for him? Like, I'll be honest with you, if I think about my own story, just honest is like, I, I grew up with a pretty good childhood. I didn't have a whole lot of hardship growing up. And so for me, sometimes I can think to myself, you know what, Jesus, when it comes to me and what's going on with me, he's like, hey man, you're good. There, there's so many other people in the world that need me. And so you're not a priority. And maybe you feel that sometimes. Or maybe you feel, man, I've messed up a lot in my life or I've made a lot of mistakes. And so Jesus is like, man, you don't deserve me to prioritize you or what's going on with you, to pay attention to you. And my hope this morning for you is you realize that Jesus does pay attention to you. I want to read a text out of Luke chapter 8 in your songbook. I put the text in there, just a historical account about Jesus and his encounter with two different people. And we're just going to read through this story together, and I, I hope that will be an encouragement to you. Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40, I'm just going to go through verse 46 to start. But let's read this together. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. So this is a religious leader. And falling at Jesus' feet, 
he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. So this is an interesting story. Jesus is on his way with the synagogue ruler to help him with his daughter. But you have this woman who comes up behind him, and she's had a bleeding disorder for 12 years. Now, What you need to know why that matters is that ceremonially, according to the law, she would have been unwelcome at synagogue. She would have been unclean. So she would have been distanced from people. And so basically, she didn't matter. Her issues didn't matter. And so she was a problem when it comes to coming close to people, especially religious people. And so this woman knows, like, I can't approach Jesus. I can't just go straight up to him and ask him for help. I've got to be discreet about this. And so I often wonder, what was the inner dialogue inside this woman's mind and heart? I mean, she probably, for 12 years, had been yelled at, told, go away. Like, you can't be near us. So she has been told, she's a bother. You don't matter. You're not seen. You're not a priority. And so her thoughts are, maybe I could just touch the fringe of Jesus' garment and something would happen and I wouldn't be noticed, no one would find out, I wouldn't be a bother to Jesus at all. I think this is what is going on inside of her. And then Jesus asked this question, who touched me? And I love Peter because Peter's like, Jesus, everyone did. Like, what are you talking about? Everyone touched you. He's like, no, Jesus is like, no, someone specific touched me. Now, hold on. We know that Jesus, at least the Bible says this, that Jesus is God, the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful God. So Jesus knows exactly who touched him. Jesus knows exactly what had happened. And so why does Jesus ask the question? You have to know this, that whenever Jesus asks a question, he's always trying to make a point. But my question for you right now is, can you relate with this woman, with the inner dialogue that's going on inside of her? I have something that I need Jesus to deal with. I have something going on in my life. But does anyone care? Does God care? Does God's people care? Like, I can't approach Jesus. I don't pray enough to approach Jesus. I can't approach him. Like, I don't know my Bible, or I don't go to church, or, man, I've done a lot of sinning in my life, you know, so I'm not the person that Jesus would notice. Of course Jesus notices the synagogue ruler. He's like the pastor, right? He's the the religious leader. So, yeah, Jesus is walking with him to help him, but maybe you feel like the woman sometimes of like, but he's not going to help me. He's not going to notice me. 
I feel this sometimes. Like, I'm a pastor, and I have moments where I'm like, man, I haven't prayed in a while. Is Jesus going to notice me? Especially me, because I'm like supposed to do that as a job, right? Is he going to notice me? I'm just curious if you relate with this woman at all. If you go to verse 47 in the story, it says, And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, when she knew that I'm not going to get out of this, I'm going to have to say something. She came trembling because she's been here before, ridiculed by other people. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, the point of Jesus' question to her, who touched me? His point was this, I see you. Like, you matter. What's going on in your life matters to me. It's worth me stopping what I'm doing right now to be focused on you. That's the point of Jesus' question. And my question for us is how would our relationship with Jesus change if we knew that Jesus cares about us individually, that we matter to him, and that what you're going through, no matter how, whatever value judgment you've put on it, what you're going through matters to him, is a priority to him. How would that change your relationship with Jesus? Because so many times our experience with church and religion and all this stuff is it can feel so detached. It can feel so like religious ceremony that doesn't really care about the things going on in my life. But just read the Gospels in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I mean, what do we read about Jesus? He's spending his time with the sinners. He's spending his time with the tax collectors. He's doing things that are irritating the religious leaders all of the time. He's not adhering to the religious decorum. No, he's with real people, and he's engaged in their real issues and problems because Jesus is trying to make the point that he sees you and that you matter to him. And what you're going through, no matter what anyone has said, matters to him. How would your relationship with Jesus change? Whether you believe in him or you're still trying to figure out if you do, how would it change right now if you believed that? And the interesting thing about our text this morning is that it shows us that Jesus is able to prioritize you without deprioritizing someone else. Jesus is able to be present with you while not minimizing his presence with anyone else. If you read our text again, just our last few verses here, verse 49 to 56, it says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Wonder what the synagogue ruler was thinking and feeling right now. They were on their way to help his daughter, but Jesus stopped to prioritize someone. Jesus stopped to focus in on this woman. 
I wonder what he was feeling. Jesus, let's go. I don't have time. Why are you focusing on her and not focusing on me? Verse 50, but Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. We serve a God who is not only with us, he's not only present with us, but he has the power over death. The meaning of Easter, the reason that we are gathered is because Jesus has come to be among us. He has come to go to the cross to forgive us of our sins, and then he rose again from the dead so that we could experience a new kind of life, a life following him, a life knowing that we are secure for all of eternity. And so my question for us this morning is, will we confess our need for Jesus? Will we confess our need for Jesus? No matter where we are this morning, maybe you're like, I'm not sure if I believe in Jesus or not, or maybe you've been following Jesus off and on, or maybe you're really serious about your faith. Will you confess your need for Jesus this morning, your need for him to forgive you of your sin, your need for him to enter into your life and help you? Maybe it's guidance. Maybe it's healing in your life. Maybe it's just to give you joy because life has been really low lately. I'm not sure where you're at, but I want you to know this morning that he prioritizes you and what you're going through matters to him. And he is the God who can raise people from the dead. He is the God who himself has risen from the dead to give you new life. And the only thing that is required from us is that we confess our need for him. So here's what I want us to do this morning. What I want us to do is just take a minute, just one minute, because I know kids are running around. It'll get a little crazy if we stay silent for a while. So I want you to take a minute and let's just silently reflect and ask the question, do I need Jesus? If Jesus was here and, and we could speak to him, which I believe he is and I believe you can, what is the thing that you need from him? Maybe you feel like the woman this morning, a little timid, Maybe you feel like, you know, I don't think my issues are worth anyone's time. Maybe it's really scary for you to confess your need for Jesus. I still want to challenge you to reflect on it. What do you need? Or maybe you're like this synagogue ruler. You've been religious your whole life. Maybe you've been following Jesus your whole life. 
You know, what's interesting about the synagogue ruler in our text is that the text says he ran to Jesus and he fell at his feet. And that wasn't going to be popular amongst his colleagues. If you read other stories about Jesus, you'll know that he always doesn't have a run-in with a synagogue ruler like that. Most of the time, they're angry with Jesus because they don't like the things he's preaching. They don't like the fact that they stop and they prioritize people like this woman who needed help. They didn't like that. So maybe you're like the synagogue ruler. You've been religious your whole life, but maybe it's kind of foreign to you to actually confess your need for Jesus. It took humility for that synagogue ruler to go fall at his feet. So where are you this morning? I want you to take just one minute, just a minute, and I want you to reflect on that. And then I think we're going to have a chance to respond. Just a minute.